Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. How do you appropriately use an independent contractor? Have you ever thought about using one yourself? In today's episode, Colleen Sedgwick, the pet nanny, answers some very specific questions about the right ways to use an independent contractor. Many of us are looking for ways to fill temporary schedules and cover more sits during the busy holiday time. Independent contractors may be the way to go for us. However, as always, there are many things to consider. Let's get started. I want to say hi. I'm Colleen Sedgwick. I am the owner of Pet Nanny Coach, and I teach pet sitting business owners how to make $10,000 or more a month in their business. And uh, I'm also the owner of Pet Nanny Pet Sitters of the Main Line, which is on the main line of Philadelphia, so the suburban area of Philadelphia. And I've had my business for 20 years. It was 20 years in June. So I have been, um, I've been through it, but I've created this amazing business that gives me a passive revenue stream. Um, because I leverage myself through my team, my team of pet sitters, my team of managers, and it just serves me. And I have a lot of knowledge that I love to share with other pet sitters who, you know, want to create something similar for themselves. Yeah. Well, you, you've been doing this for, for a, a long time and I know you've got a lot of insights. And so I, you know, we're talking about the difference of, you know, how, how using independent contractors appropriately and what that means. So I would love to have you define what the difference is between an employee and an independent contractor. Okay. So independent contractors in essence, and for simplicity's sake, they run their own business. And as a pet sitting business owner, if you are going to use ICs and use that model, you have to understand that they are, you're contracting their services to service your customers. They do not work directly for you. So they own their own business. They're responsible for their own taxes, paying their own taxes. Um, They're responsible for providing their own equipment. And the biggest thing is direction and control. As the business owner, you do not have any direction and control over your independent contractors. The client has the control over the independent contractor. And that is a main shift that needs to be made with a lot of pet sitting businesses that are using ICs. They are treating them as employees because they are telling them what to do. Um, they're defining what it is that you know they want, how they want the job to be done. Where in essence, it needs to be the client that is directing the independent contractor, and you, as the pet sitting business owner, are the connector. You're the bridge between the IC and the client. Yeah, I think maybe us. It is confusing because the the job gets done, but it's all the back end work. I think the unseen relationship that we we don't think about that where that real difference is when we're trying to bring people on and hire staff. You know, there seem to be a lot of changes uh, with with ICs at kind of state national level. So, from your perspective, how has it been regulation wise? What kind of changes have you seen, and how they've applied to the industry when it comes to using independent contractors? Oh, it's, you know, they're just much more stringent now. When I started using ICs, you know, I used ICs successfully for 17 years. I now use employees. Um, But when I first started contracting independent contractors to work with Pet Nanny, not for Pet Nanny, working with Pet Nanny, there just wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. You know, the the government wasn't, um, you know, sniffing businesses out, you know, trying, basically, you know, you're going to make more money for the government if you use employees. Um, and they got hip to that and they've, you know, found these small industries like the pet sitting industry that was using independent contractors and they're trying to shut it down because they, you know, in essence, want to make, 
the most money that they can from you. So um, I'm a big fan of ICs. I loved the IC model. Like I said, 17 years of my business, I used it successfully. Uh, I just kind of got a little tired of them hunting me down. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I went through two audits uh, Mm. and they tried to audit me a third time. Um, But you know, by that, by then I just said, all right, uncle, I I'm just going to switch to employees and that's fine too. I have more direction and control, but it's a lot more expensive to have mm. employees. Well, so walk us through what an audit looks like. You've gone through two, almost we're going through a third. What, what are they looking for and, and what do people need to have on hand if they do get audited? Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, that was a very scary situation, like the first one, but um, I had everything. I knew what I was doing in terms of how my business was uh, set up using ICs. Um, so you have to make sure that your ICs are paying their own insurance. You're not paying their insurance. Uh, in essence, they need to be giving you their pay, um, what would you call it? Their timesheets. And their invoices to you, um, which I did. I was able to utilize through my software, but basically they were submitting their time work through the software. Um, so I was able to show to the government that I was not, um, that they were invoicing me. Uh, let's think another one. So it was the insurance. It was the, uh, oh, that they were using their own equipment, that they're paying their own taxes, that I was not defining when they needed to be at a client's house, that the client was the one doing that that I wasn't providing them with any type of handbook or any type of instructions, detailed instructions on how the job was supposed to be done. And uh, yeah, the big thing I'm going to say, I, I, there wasn't any vacation time. They could schedule. They were in charge of their own calendars by blocking out when they couldn't work. Uh, we call it the do not schedule system. So the sitters would go in and block out, basically manage their own calendars. Mm-hmm. And when they were available, we um, the, the program would know and we would go ahead and schedule that. Mm. Those were the big things. Yeah, well, it sounds like a lot to keep track of, and and some people may read see that and go, "Wow, that sounds like a lot of a lot of headache." So, how did you make that work so successfully for seventeen years and managing all of that? Being very very organized, it's mm-hmm. one of my superpowers. I'm gifted with that. Um, a lot of flaws, but that's one of my superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to stay on top of it. You have to make sure that your language um, is. Uh, in line with what the government wants. And you have to be very careful with, um, I know a lot of pet sitting business owners are using ICs and having them wear, you know, shirts with the company name on it. Absolutely. No, no, no car magnets, no handbooks. Uh, You just have to be really diligent about, you know, how you're communicating with them. And how you're presenting them and how everything is organized on the back end. In terms of, you know, and using your software program, they, you know, the IRS, the two audits, they had no problem with the invoicing coming through the software program. Um, And that was really helpful in keeping track of a lot of this. Yeah. Well, now when it comes to hiring, I know hiring is a big topic right now for a lot of people and they're really struggling to figure out how to hire good people. If they're interested in hiring an independent contractor, how do I, as a business owner, set standards then of who I'm hiring and not be imposing on that individual? Because they're, they're an independent contractor. They're running and operating their own business, right? They're going to have their own policies. How do I hire an independent contractor appropriately with the right ad and make sure it's communicated well? Yeah, well, you're, you're in essence the customer, hmm. right? So you can, you can pick and choose which 
service you choose to contract to represent your company, right? So um, just making sure the language, like I said, you don't send a job description. You don't have an application on your website. You have a questionnaire. Um, being very careful about the questions that you're asking on that questionnaire. Second thing is you do not send them a job description. You send them um, what I call my working with pet nanny, where basically I'm telling them about my business, uh, what we do, our standards, the services we offer, um, how you how they would work with your company through an independent contractor status. And then when you have, when you interview them, or I wouldn't even say interview, when you meet with them to discuss the opportunity, Mm -hmm. uh, you just, you know, you go over that in detail so that they understand, you know, what the relationship is, what their responsibilities are as being an IC. And that's it. You know, again, you just want to make sure that they, that relationship is very clear from day one. Yeah, well, it sounds like, again, getting back to what exactly it is, it's two businesses coming together to agree on a set of operating procedures that they both feel like suits them best. It's not one telling the other how to operate and vice versa. It's going, okay, here are my five things. What are your five things? Do we agree on these? Okay, great. And then we can move forward. And if not, you you can't impose on them. I think that's, again, where we get this this confusion of what exactly that relationship is. Yeah, exactly. You guys have to be on the same page on how the relationship's going to work. Um, what we do did, I should say, at Pet Nanny when I was using ICs, we have what's called a resource center, and it's basically educational materials that the independent contractors could access on how they can become even better pet sitters. Mm. And basically, what that included was, you know, everything about my company that how I liked it to be run. And, you know, they would go in and read the, read the resources. And if they were in line with the same values and how they were going to provide service, it was a go. And if not, it's not, it's not a good fit. Yeah. Agree. Again, and not viewing that as a training opportunity, but just to, Hey, do you agree to these terms? Yes, no. And then move on. Right. Are we in line together with how we're going to provide pet care to our clients? Yeah. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Dan from NYC Pooch has this to say. Time to Pet has been a total game changer for us. It helped us streamline many aspects of our operation, from scheduling and communication to billing and customer management. Uh, We actually tested other pet sitting softwares in the past, but these other solutions were clunky and riddled with problems. Everything in Time to Pet has been so well thought out. It's intuitive, feature-rich, and it's always improving. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Our listeners can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com forward slash confessional. I have a feeling people listening to this may feel like this we're being very pedantic about the kind of words that we're using. It's just all semantics. But as you've experienced, these kind of wording and these really help define the relationship and to when people come in and when you do get audited or how you operate like that all of these all of these ways of operating are extremely important absolutely yeah i was it was a very stressful situation going through those audits i mean they and if i had been i guess if i lost the audit i guess that's the way you would you would put it i would have owed a large amount of money in back taxes for all the year. I mean, I would use over 40 ICs. I was using over 40 ICs a year. Um, and if they had been defined as an employee classification, I would, it would have been a big deal, which was very scary, very stressful, but both audits, they found that I was using them appropriately, but they just kept coming for me. And I thought, Nope, you know, I'm just ready to move on. (laughs) (laughs) So 
when, an, an audit, is that something that is triggered at tax filing? Is that just a random audit that you happen to get picked up in? Or do you feel like those are more targeted these days? I think one thing, one thing that was triggering them onto my business was that people that were independent contractors were then filing for unemployment. So say they were working, let's say they had a full-time job and then they were an IC for my company. And then they would file for unemployment if they lost their job, like their full-time job. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, getting the, getting the, um, having the government notice like what was going on. And they came in and they said, all right, let's just make sure these people are really independent contractors. That's a very important point. When you are working with ICs, they cannot file for unemployment and make sure that, I mean, crystal clear. Um, Cause that's a huge trigger. Right. For you, for you and for them, again, I think a lot of that is like uh, educating ourselves on what an IC is, but also educating the IC on what an IC is a little bit about like oper- that they really are running and operating their own business. Yes. And that yeah. they do also have the ability to work for other companies as well, not just yours. So that's another perk of having employees. You know, they can, you know, be 100% a representative of only your company. We're independent contractors. They have their own clients. They can work for different companies. Uh, make sure that they understand that as well. Now, when it came to to paying them, I know there are different models for for paying staff. Are, are you able to play to pay an independent contractor per hour, or does it have to be per service? You could do per hour. Um, I always did per visit, and you know, now that I'm using employees in Pennsylvania, you don't have to pay for um, mileage and drive time. Hmm. It's a write-off on their state and local taxes. So I do by visit, but in some states where you have to pay for that time, you might want to do an hourly rate versus the per visit uh, pay model. Yeah, that gets into a lot of um, things that you are required to cover. So when it comes to things as a business, what am I required to pay for for an IC versus an employee? As you've made that transition, so what are you paying for an employee versus that you weren't paying for? an independent contractor. Okay. Well, the biggest things are the employment taxes. So I need to withhold, I use Gusto for my payroll um, company and we withhold their federal state and local income taxes from their paychecks. We withhold their FICA taxes. We um, withhold their unemployment taxes based on their pay. And we're also responsible for workers' compensation. So this really adds up. Now, if you have an IC, you're bas- you're just paying them the gross amount of your agreed upon percentage. So let's say you're paying them 50% of every assignment at the end of every two weeks, we would do a direct deposit. And that would just be the gross number that would be automatically deposited into their accounts. And then they were responsible for filing their taxes uh, through a 1099. Mm. And they're responsible for their own car and their own gas and all of their own supplies, which being a self-employed person, that's a write-off for them. Right. Yeah. So they need to keep track of all of this. Wow. Now, if you have independent contractors, do you as a business get in trouble if your IC isn't doing those things? That's a good question. I'm trying to remember. Um, like if they don't file, yeah. I don't, I don't recall ever having an issue with that. Okay. But that is a really good question. I also want to just mention, Colin, that to everyone that's listening, I am not a lawyer. I am not an accountant. And I just want you to all, you know, definitely, if you are trying to decide between which business model that you should implement in your business, definitely talk to a lawyer and an accountant in your state. Um, I'm just giving you my, you know, 
my experience with having ICs versus employees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's a really, really good point to note is that not just at the federal level, but at the state by state level, there are very key distinctions on what we can and can't do and what we should and shouldn't be doing with our staff members. So while we can get some general direction from talking with other people, it really does behoove us to go and talk with local you know, business groups and our, and our tax and our, and our attorney for sure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, I meant to mention that at the beginning, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey, better, better, better late than never. It's always, yeah. it's always, always good. So in, in your mind, um, you know, who, who should be using or, or in what capacity should independent contractors be used in pet sitting? Um, is it a model that, should, that can work for people or should we really be focusing more on employees? And you know, this is where people are going to be like, wow, I mean, in the pet sitting industry, people have such strong opinions about this. I don't understand why. Um, you know, if you like using ICs, great. If you like using employees, great. I love the IC model. I would have used ICs forever if, you know, the government was not hell bent on me switching their classification. Um, with the last audit, when they tried to audit me the third time, I had five years safe harbor after winning the audit the year before. And my accountant said, you, you know, you're not able to audit her again. And they said, well, she needs to, we don't have any record that we audited her her last year. So she needs to prove to us that she was audited. I mean, have you ever heard of something so crazy? So my accountant had to go to the basement, pull out all of the information and literally deliver it to the IRS office. Hmm. And I thought, you know what, they're just going to keep coming for me. So anyway, that was my point. I love ICs. Um, You can use them legally. Like I did. And, you know, probably not have a lot, if you don't have like a ton of people like I do, um, you're probably not going to, they're not going to be sniffing you out. Um, But you have to be very diligent on how you're using them. Like everything that we went through, if you're willing to do all of that, great. If you want more direction and control, if you want them wearing shirts, if you want them wearing card magnets, if you want to have team meetings, if you want to have in-depth trainings with them, that's an employee um, relationship. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of depends on what kind of relationship you want with the people that are representing your company. Yeah. Does it matter to your clients uh, how you communicate how, who your staff members are? Or did you ever communicate to your clients, this is an independent contractor for me um, versus an employee model? No, that was not told to my clients, I don't believe, at any time. Uh, when we did switch to employees, we did frame it as these are the benefits now, you know, we are switching from using independent contractors to employees. And this is why this is so great for you. Yeah. You know, basically saying we can have more direction and control. We can, you know, monitor, monitor them much more closely, uh, so on and so forth. So we kind of sold it to our clients when we made the switch that it was a good thing. Did you have any, um, any existing staff members that were hesitant to become employees when you made that switch? At first, yes, but we had a team meeting and, you know, I had graphs and I had, you know, all the explanation of how this was going to go. And at the end, because they weren't making, paying self-employment tax, uh, they would actually net more at the end of the year. It may Mm. look a little, it may look less paycheck to paycheck, but by the end, when all is said and done, they were actually going to net more in income. And they were like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) That's great. You know, more money, better. That's better. Yeah. Now, now for you though, it, it did it did require absorbing some more costs. So was it was that switch associated with a a price increase, or did you just kind of bite that a little bit uh, and, and move on? 
Yes, we definitely did a price increase. I have a whole plan that I teach my students for those that are like switching from ICs to EEs, but um, I had a whole plan where uh, I was able to, from what I implemented, it was not as big of a hit as I had anticipated. Hmm. Um, you know, I still look at that every month. I look at the payroll reports. I'm like, ouch. I mean, it's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive, but hey, you can raise your rates. Um, you have, you can negotiate the pay with the employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of things that you can do to offset the costs of bringing on or transitioning to employees. Yeah. Like and finding out what's going to work best for you and seeing where those numbers line out. I think procedurally, um, you know, we've we've mentioned that with employees, you can direct them a little more, right? You have more control over their schedule, and, and I do want to talk about that for just a little bit more because I feel like that that may be something that people get, get hung up on is how exactly do I schedule my independent contractor? I know you've mentioned you had times where they would list they weren't available, but it sounds like an awful lot. Like I've tried to schedule a meeting with three people before and it took like nine months to find dates that worked for everybody. So, so how, how did you ultimately make it work um, scheduling wise uh, and, and, and be, make it consistent for your clients? I just utilized the calendar in my yeah. software program. So they would just go in and block out whenever they couldn't work. And then you would go in and say, okay, Colin Funkhauser needs um, three visits a day tomorrow. And I would go and pick the IC. And if it said unavailable, I would move on to the next IC. And okay. if they were unavailable, you'd go on to the next IC. And in terms of you know, them meeting with clients and such, that's, I really, um, stressed the relationship between the sitter and the client. So your, you know, that your pet nanny will be calling you within 24 hours and then they would find a convenient time. I didn't really micromanage that process in terms of registration meetings, pre-departure meetings, meet and greets, all of that. Because again, I, I know you mentioned this earlier, but you, again, you were directing that client independent contractor relationship and focusing on yes. there and, and you're just kind of coordinating and matching them together. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I always, and something else that I always, we have a primary sitter. So if you're the independent contractor that was assigned to this client and that relationship was created, I always would try to schedule that IC first mm. based on their availability. And then I would move down the down the list if they weren't available. Did you ever have an independent contractor come to you with changing uh, changing their their policies or their how they wanted the relationship to to work for you that you then had to let them go because they wanted to operate in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then it's just okay. Well, thank you very much for your service. I will no longer be you know assigning any jobs to you. Hmm. Yeah, because so and was is it just as easy as that to fire somebody or or how you even term firing an independent contractor? Is it the same? Yeah, it process? wouldn't be firing. It would just yeah. be the end of a business relationship. So again, uh-huh. you're you know that's. I'm not their employer, so I can't fire them. I just will no longer assign any jobs to them, contract yeah. any work to them. Yeah. And that's it. And that's just the end of the relationship. Do you have an example of something that, that they came to you or not really? <laughs> their availability, right? So yeah. you know, basically, you you have an expectation of availability. Like I, I say to all the people that I meet with, employees or independent contractors, mm. Like, I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste my time. Like, you know, this is when the clients are going to need service. You know, if you're available, great. But if it, if it's going to be, you know, here and there, you know, and you're never available, like, I don't 
I don't want to waste your time. Don't waste my time type of thing. Yeah. Uh, if it gets to a point where they're constantly changing, like when they're available and they're never available to work. I mean, that's, I just call it a day. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. too much headache to, to, to bother with at that point and you can move on to somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of the, the biggest sticking point I could think of in terms of, um, anything that happened with independent contractors. I'm, I'm trying to think, I mean, gosh, 17 years, I'm sure I have some great <laughs> stories, but I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> what, what about, uh, what about pricing? Because if they're their own independent business and you're your independent business, if they decide to raise their rates or have an expectation of higher pay, how do you handle that? I have never had that situation because we had the agreed upon, you know, percentage and they signed the agreement yeah. And if they were, if they did want an increase in pay, that would be a discussion. And if they were an amazing sitter that I was willing to do that for, then I would consider it. And if not, again, that would, I'd call it a day. Right. Because again, we're looking at from their, their position too, they're an independent contractor. They could go and find another company to partner with other than your, yours to charge higher rates for and see, you know, kind of like placing out bids for, for the pet care to see who can get the best rate for them. Sure. And they have every right to do that. Pet sitters, are you looking for easy to access online trainings? Ones that will help you build confidence, offer superior care, and gain certificates you can show potential clients? At Pet Sitters International, they offer online courses that allow new and veteran pet sitters alike to save time and money and learn at their own pace wherever they go. As the economy picks up, more pet sitters and dog walkers will reopen your business and more pet lovers will consider entering the industry. The pet sitters who separate themselves from the pack will be the ones who can demonstrate superior knowledge and credentials. Whether you're looking for training on how to get your pet sitting business off the ground or you want comprehensive online pet first aid training, PSI has you covered. When you sign up for a PSI course, you can access it immediately. And once you finish the course, you'll be able to download a certificate of completion that you can proudly display in your office or when meeting new clients. Invest in ongoing education today. Visit PetSit.com slash PSC to get started. So because they have every right to do that and they have managed that client relationship, many people who are hiring are concerned of their staff member stealing clients or, or bringing them under their own. Was that something that you could manage or with an independent contractor? Or, or how did you go about making sure that they didn't run off with a client? I was hit hard by this. I had an independent contractor once who worked for me for years and years who I trusted implicitly and then found out that she was stealing clients behind my back. It ended up mm. being about $5,000 a month in revenue. So it was a, it was a really big deal. Wow. And then I went, I was going to bring her to court. And then I found out that my independent contractor agreement that had a non-compete clause in it, like would never hold water in court. Mm. So basically non-competes don't work um, because it, it takes the right of work away from somebody. And uh, Pennsylvania is a right to work state. Okay. So that was a big learning lesson through that experience. So moving forward, basically, whenever I am onboarding um, a new sitter, I would just make it perfectly clear that they would sign a non-solicitation clause versus a non-compete. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the difference is if you ever want to start your own pet sitting business on your own, um, you know, by all means, I wish you the very best of luck, but you cannot do it with pet nanny clients. That would be against your non-solicitation clause. If you do, I will take you to court and you will be charged $2,000 for every single client that you solicited from my business. Mm -hmm. And I had a lawyer. I mean, when I tell you the uh, amount of money I spent getting this independent contractor agreement updated after the first experience, 
and I'm serious, you know, mm. I'm a hundred percent serious. So I let them know, do you understand? Yes. And I have an actually initial right there on the clause. Mm. And then at that point I let it go. I really don't stress about it. I used to, str- oh, I used to make up the most crazy systems where I would be checking on these people. And I just, I, I just don't stress about that anymore. Yeah. You, you brought somebody on to help you so you didn't have stress. And then to spend your time sitting there stressing about them is kind of a little silly. Uh, you need to build your processes, make sure that agreement and that relationship is is good and you've agreed upon the same conditions. And then you do have to step back and go, okay, I got to trust this and, right. and, and know that I'm protected if something does happen. Right. And here's the thing. You're a business owner and you're a human being. Things are going to happen. Not everything is going to go perfectly, but I always try to look like that experience with the first IC I just told you about. What can I learn from this Mm. to make it better? What system can I create from this to make my business better? If you have that mindset with your business and, you know, pitfalls happen and roadblocks come up, but you take something away from everything um, that happens, you are going to create an amazing business. Yeah. Yeah, my mindset is so huge regarding everything that we do, uh, whether from the big things to the small things, hiring staff, and then our own relationship that we have with our clients too. If we, we if we're approaching problems or even opportunities with the wrong mindset, right, we're not going to get to where we ultimately want to go. No, no, exactly. I try to keep a positive mindset. I have my uh, I pull one of these cards every day. Oh, what's today's? When I'm tuned into the energy of abundance, I become abundant. I just put it right here on my desk and I try to stay positive every day. <laughs> well, so, piece of the puzzle. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're just trying to, 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 you know, we talk about the, the, the power of words in our life and, and the mindset that it gives us, the words that we speak. When we speak abundance, it's not like we're necessarily magically manifesting anything in our lives, but we look for more abundance. We look for those opportunities. We look for things that we have agency and control over. And that just changes our entire outlook. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Well, so reflecting on 17 years of working with independent contractors, what's some advice that you would give maybe that we haven't discussed that you would really recommend somebody do or somebody use before they enter into that relationship with an independent contractor? I think meeting with an accountant is really important understanding exactly what you can and cannot do as the business owner while contracting um, ICs, making sure that you have everything documented, making sure that you have an ironclad independent contractor agreement with that non-solicitation clause, making sure that you're making everything perfectly clear to the IC as they're being onboarded with your company. so basically information, getting organized, and making sure that you understand exactly what you can and can't do. And again, because that does, that's going to depend on states, and that's going to depend on you know, what you're, how you want to operate your business. I think that too of what do you want your business to do and how do you want to be operating it? Exactly. You can create any result that you want in your business. What do you want your business to look like? Clarity equals power. So mm-hmm. write it down. If you could you know, create your dream pet sitting business, what exactly does it look like? And then from there, you can decide you know, what, the, what relationship you want with the team that you build. I know you are a, a big reader. And so I did want to ask you, um, what book that you're reading and what recommendation you'd have for people for more resources? Oh, my goodness. Yes. We do a book club with my students every month. Um, okay. 
And the book that we just actually scrapped this month's book because it was terrible. I'm not even going to say it. It was called the 5 a.m. Club. <laughs> and it was just bad. So we're like, all right, we're going to get rid of that. So we're actually reading um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Hmm. It's all about like metaphysics and your brain and, you know, creating the reality that you want. I mean, it's some deep stuff, but I love all that stuff. <laughs> and I loved uh, You're a Badass and Making Money by Jen Sincero. I thought that was one of my favorites. I have her, I have the audiobook and she just makes me laugh and she's hilarious. So listening to it. And then she also has a workbook that goes with it. Um, <clears throat> filling out the workbook in the morning was something that I really enjoyed. So I highly recommend that book. Awesome. I really appreciate that. It's, uh, you know, it's something that I feel like is a very simple step that we can do in our business is, is just read and read broadly and get connected with more ideas because that's going to help us be, again, have more clarity and understanding of what we want, whether we are running with ICs or employees and knowing those distinctions and then just being able to think outside the box in some scenarios too. Yes. Two more, I'm going to say, oh. in my head. Um Absolutely a staple for businesses, small businesses, is the E-Myth Revisited. So that's uh, talking about how, as the business owner, you're not supposed to be the technician in the business and creating systems so that the system runs the business, the person runs the system. Huge. And then the book Traction. We also did that with my um, with my mastermind a couple months ago. I mean, that was like gold for any business. So Traction, the E-Myth Revisited, Your Badass at Making Money are my top three. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Colleen, I really appreciate you taking time today to break down uh, some misconceptions about using yeah. independent contractors and how to make it work for us and make sure it's what we want in our business. But I know it's a big, big topic and that you've got a lot of resources and knowledge on it. So how can people get connected, uh, pick your brain and start uh, looking at all that you do? Okay. Well, you can go to my website at petnannycoach.com. There's tons of free resources there. I also have a bundle created for your listeners today, Colin. So if they go to petsittingfreebie.com, they're going to get three resources. The first is the COVID recovery report, how to get your pet sitting business back and multiply it after COVID-19. Then we have 35 marketing strategies for pet sitting businesses and 37 systems for pet sitting businesses. So again, that URL is petsittingfreebie.com. And then also if anyone's ever interested in chatting with me about your businesses and coming up with an action plan, you can go to meetwithcolleen.com. Perfect. And I will have all of those links in the show notes so people can click right to those get those resources and start learning from all that you have to share. Again, Colleen, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime, Colin. My biggest takeaway from my conversation with Colleen is the fact that terms and conditions matter. Who knew? When we don't understand what kind of control we want to have, and when we don't communicate that effectively to those that we're hiring, we can wind up in trouble. When Colleen outlined all of the things that you can't do with an independent contractor, you really have to make sure that what you are looking for is an independent contractor. For one-off jobs, temporary positions, or filling in last-minute booking, they may really work out well for many of us. The problem is, is that most of us tend to have bigger plans beyond that, or we get stuck using them and it just becomes something about what we do, and we look up and we might get audited after a while. You can still legally use them, and we think there are places where they are still totally appropriate. Let us know if you've ever used an independent contractor, and what does it look like for you? 
We want to thank our sponsors, Timed Pet and Petsitters International, for making today's show possible. And we really want to thank you for listening and for all the work that you're doing out there and getting ready for the busy holiday times and making your business the best that it can be. We'll be back again soon.